Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to Off The Beaten Track Podcast. I'm your host, I'm Stu Whiffin. It's another week, therefore it's another episode. And today's episode, well, well I can't believe I'm about to say this, um, Today's episode, I'm talking to Chuck D, Chuck D of Public Enemy, Chuck D of the the greatest hip hop band that's that you know that, that's ever existed in in my humble opinion, um, and I need to do a huge thank you to uh, Emma for facilitating this interview. Um, when I set this podcast up, in never in my wildest dreams would I ever have imagined I would be sitting talking records uh with with chuck d it's um you're, you're probably here during this interview that i'm uh i'm a little bit in awe uh i'm a lot in awe um but it was an amazing opportunity and you know i'm no radio broadcaster you know i'm, I'm like some i'm an anorak for music that likes talking to people about you know the records that have have been key to their their journey so far and yeah to, to sit and do that with chuck d was an absolute privilege um before we uh we get going on this chat uh firstly uh aside from uh thanking emma i'd also like to thank scroobius pip and and uh and all my brothers and sisters at the distraction pieces network um huge thanks to 76 for producing this podcast um and if this is your first time listening uh, to off the beaten track then uh when you finish listening to my chat with chuck then um have a little look in the back catalogue because there's, I think, about 160, 170 episodes now uh, of me chatting to some amazing people as well, you know, actors, uh, comedians, musicians, producers, DJs. Go and have a, a rummage in the back catalogue and I'm sure you'll find some some other people uh, who uh, who will tickle your fancy and make you think, oh, man, I'd like to hear, you know, what, what songs have been important in there creative journey um and if uh and if you really enjoy off the beaten track and you'd like to support it um you, then you can also uh support the podcast uh on patreon i have a patreon page and each week i upload radio shows where i play records and and, and chat and stuff and uh, and also put upfront episodes on there and I also put out lots of episodes unique to to patreon as well so if you want to sign up over there um you get access to probably about another 150 episodes that uh, that are up over there as well. You can find out about all of these things uh, off the beat and track dot com. Okay, let's get uh, let's get back to business. Please enjoy off the beat and track podcast 
Chuck D. I'm good to go. Okay, we are recording, uh, sitting opposite me today. Uh, Chuck D, how you doing? I'm good. I mean, you, you got to answer United States COVID questions. You got to, you know, you have to move on with your day as much as possible. But here we are, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, Chuck, I'm going to just go straight in with um, talking about records. Um, yes, sir. I think we're all... And, and if, I don't, if I don't look at y'all on screen, it's because I'm multitasking because in the time where there's Zoom and there's YouTube and there's Instagram <laughs> and all that, what they don't, what you fail to realize during interviews, a lot of times I'm usually multitasking anyway. Yeah. But it's not trying to be rude. I'm just not looking directly into a screen while I multitask and my room is, is, is popping off with a lot of different duties at the same time. So thank you for having me on. Oh, we're all good. We're all good. Chuck, what's the song with the greatest ever intro? 25 Miles by Edwin Starr. Because he, he he gets it pumping and rolling from that point on, and 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 it gets crazy from that point. And then uh, hip hop wise, I think Mighty Gras by Bob James became an institution just with a, a couple of bars of boom. Yeah. And Grandmaster Flash made a career off of, of of so Bob James and Grandmaster Flash should have sat in the room and had a long conversation. And then um, yeah, I, and it also. Hip hop wise, we always just try to make the, the best intros. Welcome to the Terror Dome was actually a, a, a beginning of another song, and then we used to also snatch intros from other songs to start our songs out right. Well, that, that's one of the things I was going to ask Chuck because, like, I mean, Twenty Five Miles is just it's just a smack in the face, the right yeah, from the it's off. Right, let's it's, get right into it. Let's get right. Let's get it. Let's get it started right now. So yeah. And was that exactly. always? And has that always remained, um, you know, very much something that the public enemy are about? Yeah, let's get right into it. Like, ding, boom, you know, yeah. step up, throw your first blow, man. That, that's what that's what public enemy always liked. And Motown was significant about the first 10 seconds. First 10 seconds of a Motown record, but not boom, psh, yeah. it's on. You know, so, I mean, the songs wasn't going longer than two minutes, uh, 15, three minutes most. So it was that first 10 to 15 seconds that Barry Gordy had with a DJ sense of mind as well as songwriter and musician was like, yo, man, we ain't got time to waste warming you up. Yeah. We're going to get right into it. Let's step in. Although Papa had a Rolling Stone by Temptations yeah. warms you up. Yeah. Once again, another Motel record. Doom, doom. Mm. Doom, doom, doom. Doom. You know, but that was in the, kind of like in the beginning of the 70s where people got spaced out yeah. a little bit more. You kind of, you're warming up to album-oriented material, not so much the 45, 7-inch single or, or 33, 7-inch uh, single. And so, uh, yeah, the intros are very important and a very important part of Public Enemy. And so... As, you know, for, for the duration of your, your, your career, we've seen so many changes in the way that people uh, ingest music. Yes, and, sir. And, and I just wondered, like, how, you know, it, it feels now that lots of, lots of bands put out albums now, but people are just cherry-picking tracks 
You know, they're just going on yeah. iTunes and they're picking tracks. Um, it's probably a dumb question, Chuck, but Public Enemy, you still write your albums as a body of work, as a piece of art, right? Yes, but lesser so, because you got to pay attention to the time also. But Public Enemy always paid attention to giving a thousand, at least me, I'm speaking, a thousand percent in performance, because that's what people come through the door to see. But the art is still the art, and as you see it fit, is how it goes. So I never really seriously made my records or wanted us to make our records for somebody else's approval. I mean, when you make records together, it's not about what you want anyway, but if it was up to me, it's like, I don't care if y'all like it or not. Yeah. You know, so that was part of the reason of doing something always different. You know, I'm making this record. I made Public Enemy number one at that particular time. So my girlfriend at the time would hate it. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I made records that I I made as a male that I'm not trying to have in a in a quiet storm party. I'm trying to make records irritating. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So that's how that's what started me out a long time ago. Yeah. Um and I just think that uh when it came down to um art, you know, you're an artist, you put it out there, take it or leave it. You know, so but the album format is something that grew out of the public enemy thing because people wanted more of it. And at that particular time, it wasn't going to be on the radio. It wasn't going to be, you know, in accessible places. So we had to become our own radio station. That's why it takes a nation of millions is 60 minutes. Yeah. 30 minutes front, 30 minutes back. Bummer's the show might have clocked, I think, 48 minutes. Yeah. could be off, but exactly the same side for A and side B because we made it for cassettes. Chuck, track two, the first song you remember hearing that had an emotional impact on you. About eight, nine years old, I was scared because Stevie Wonder was blind. <laughs> so uh, he takes the old Bob Dylan classic, Blowing in the Wind, does it with Clarence Paul, his arranger. And it just scared me at the time. But but the song that Stevie Wonder sang, I didn't hear the Bob uh, Dylan version up to then. But, it, but I grew up in a Motown Stacks Atlantic household with my moms and James Brown. And, they, and uh, Stevie Wonder, from a kid to adult, was part of that uh, record player soundtrack. So what, what was the emotion, Chuck? Um... It seemed like a little boy singing a grown man's song of despair. Yeah. 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 Pretty much was. (laughs) Um, Pretty much was. So you you touched on that then. I just was interested growing up at home. Like, was was there constantly music on? And you you, you touched on James Brown. What other stuff was you being exposed to at home when you was young? What other records? Well, black folks, man, you know, our aunts and uncles were on the turntables. So whatever connectivity that we didn't have family-wise, they even went further on on the what was played on on the record players because it was really conducive to to how we talked and related to each other. So the music in the household was life, and I had you know I had young parents, yeah. So the music meant you know a lot, a hell of a lot. So um, it was even part of the the science of when I worked out a job. And I always had to have music on in order for me to feel good about working there at my job for a long period of time. 
it made you stay in places you didn't really want to be. Yeah. Yeah. Chuck, I'm going to take you back to school, and I want to know for track three the song that reminds you of your time at school. Uh, sixth grade, uh, no, third grade, 1966, living in Queens. The bus went crazy when Jimmy Mack by Martha Reason and Vandellas would come on. Oh, what a record. And we're stomping the bus, and the bus driver has to say, Stop. And we're like, Jimmy, <laughs> Jimmy. Oh, Jimmy Mack. <laughs> well, I mean, buses is going berserk. Later on, uh, my track team theme song was Boogie Nights by Heatwave. Yeah. James. I mean, that's another one. You know, when it started up, it was time to go. Great intro, yeah. man. Yeah. And um, another great uh, Heatwave uh, intro is Groove Line. Mm. Mm. I mean, once once it kicked in, it was like that little roll into there. Yeah. That you know, thing, you know, it's like it was it was on. And um uh you know, Fantastic Voyage, of course, by Lakeside. And then as a college high school student on the rock tip, I would say Jackson Brown uh running on empty. Wonderful. Yeah. How um how did you find school, Chuck? School was good because it sharpened my talent as an artist into a skill. So, when so I was you, always good. I was always good in the graphic arts. Musically, was 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 that something that you was you was already contemplating as as something that you know could be a potential career choice? Not at all. If somebody would have said I would have been a person of musical note yeah. in twelfth grade, my final year in high school, I would slap them because I said, "Do what? I can't sing." Yeah. Music was no, but I was at, I was always in the arts. My mom had the community theater and I was an artist graphic person. And I always knew I was going to be successful at that no matter what. And I just think that along that path in college, my second year in college, rap records emerged. I had a great voice anyway, because I wanted to be a sportscaster. And the thing that pushed me through school, I said, well, if there's rap records, then they need art departments. And that was the no-brainer into uh, that world. You said you knew, you know, you, you was going to be successful. Um, was, you, was you a confident young man? Yes, uh, but not cocky and not arrogant, but confident that you, you get out what you put in. Yeah. So I knew it wasn't, I was going to be privileged. It just wasn't going to happen. Yeah. You driven? Well, I didn't want to be passengered. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Chuck, for track four, the first thing, uh, the first record you remember buying from a record store? With my own money, which was important. I didn't have a record player. When the minute I got a, I didn't get a record player, I was able to like kind of play it on a record player in my house was a seven inch of Master Booty uh, by the Fatback Band, 1977. Nice. Yeah, seven inch. And, and coincidentally, who would have think that the Fatback Band would make really kind of like the first rap record as we know it, mm. you know, in modern speak? Because Gene Barge with Chess Records produced what, what seriously had to be the first rap record, the, the funky groove, rhymes, and that's pick me, Markham. Here comes a judge. 
you know, 1968. And Gene Barge, who's a hero mentor of mine, was a producer on that record. And other than what Pig McMarkham on that record, saying, hold up, I'll take two beers, please. In the middle was this woman, and it happened to be Minnie Ripperton. Yeah. So that's another record that uh, will shock and amaze y'all when you break it down. It's the first real rack record. And so at what point did you, know, did you start sort of, you know, I guess obsessing over, over records, and, 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 and would you deconstruct those records and, and, and work out how they were put together? Was that, was that, you know, was you obsessing over music when you was growing up? Not when I was growing up. The obsession of music came when I joined Hank Shockley, Spectrum, Spectrum City, and then went from a mobile DJ to a college radio DJ with Mr. Bill Stephanie, people like Andre Brown, Dr. Dre. So the combination of what Hank and Keith Shockley was doing at Spectrum and then WBAU, where I went to college at, that combination, Public Enemy came out of there in all the characters. And, and, and in regards to record stores, like just in those those formative years of of, of DJing and, and, and public enemy, how vital were, were you know were independent record stores? Mm-hmm. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. How vital? They were were so vital that uh, they were performance areas. They were library institutions that you read, you went in there and read as much as you heard. You read labels. DJs knew the labels. DJ knew the labels so much and had so much information on the labels and the information on the albums that once they found out about it, they decided decide to disguise it. Yeah. And it was their weapons. Records were their weapons, especially in DJ battle. And, um, you know, uh, a DJ out in New York, knew not to share the knowledge because they knew that if they shared the knowledge so much that, that they might be behind in business for somebody getting their, their shot. Yeah. That's the competitive nature of New York is at that particular time. Uh, one upsmanship, so to speak. Listen up. I've only got another new sponsor. 
egg fried. It's this super cool clothing label. And if you're into sort of skating and street art and gigging and, and kind of like really cool art and throwing a little bit of Asian culture and, and the designer's kind of weird sense of humor in the mix, then you're pretty much there with the wonderful world that is eggfried.com. Now, they do these amazing punchy kind of graphic tees, hoodies and sweatshirts, beautiful art prints, as well as this, they have a denim range, all handmade in-house, all supporting the slow fashion movement. Not only that, they've given you a discount code, 10% off when you head over to eggfried.com. Just use the code EGGSALAD, E-W-G-S-A-L-A-D, save 10%. Go and get lost in the world of egg fried. Also, they've got a new kids range, and it's called Small Fried, and it's super cool, super cute. Um, And again, it's all over there in this wonderful world. Go and get involved at eggfried.com. And so... As we see the, the, the you know the, the the demise of the independent record stores, very much so in the UK. Um, how, how important are, are, are independent record stores to, to to what you do now, Chuck? Very important. I think the, the the biggest thing I think that independent record stores have to get aligned with each other a lot better. Uh, record Store Day in the United States in nineteen fourteen. Um, a 2014, 1940, right? <laughs> Seems like that, right? <laughs> but 2014, I think I'm Record Store Day ambassador that year. And I proposed, I said, listen, you guys need to use the internet to do radio. It's, uh, every record store needs to be its own radio station. What the fuck you got the records there for? Yeah. So become your own, have jocks come in. And now you have the internet. You don't need a transmitter. It doesn't need to be pirate radio. But why can't? a record store be a 24 hour programming outfit. And then it ran into licensing issues. So I'm like, this is stupid. The thing is, is like every record store could become performance centers, especially now. I think every record store now can become performance centers because the bigger the places is, you are the bigger places are, you can't socially distance people, but smaller venues can by the size of, of a Starbucks or a record store might be 10 or 15 people there. You could space them and put the rest of the hook up the record store with GoPros and you got an arena, you got a venue that tune in and it'd be like, Oh, so-and-so record store. So I always look at record stores as doing way more than just sell records. Yeah. I think, um, one of my pleasant, most recent appearances in performances has been you know, a few years ago, a few years ago at rough trade. Yeah. Had a great day there. So in I the mean, UK I think, or, or in the States? In the UK, yeah. in London. And I, I I feel that uh record stores should be their own twenty-four hour online web, uh, radio stations. And on top of that, okay, that you could be another situation floating in cyberspace, but the thing that really I think will bring the world of record stores together as a true coalition is that all their radio shows, or, I mean, their radio stations are all connected. So you could go to a large directory and see all these independent record stores and go in and tune into their own stations. Yeah. And you could probably buy online from them now better than you could do in, in person. That's a great idea. Great idea. Well, I'm full of them. I'm full <laughs> of ideas. Whether they're great or not depends on if they work. Well, um, you've been working... Uh, before we get on to the next track, let's talk while we're talking records. Let's talk about Public Enemy's new record. Yes. Tell me about what it. What you're going to do? 
what you're going to do when the grid goes down uses the the area of of record making or the fact that we have a recording and all it is is a statement it's a question really it's like what are you going to do when the grid goes down number one i i had the statement form out of be always beware of government tricks especially in this confusion in the united states on distractions that might pop up they're all playing games you know with this whole thing and no one knows what's going to happen november 3rd and see beware of especially this this uh administration right now they could come up with anything aliens yeah. are going to come in an asteroid is on its way the grid is going to go down it's like so what are you going to do what's your preparation and then there's a record that follows with, with songs. But big up to all, uh, you know, just a little help from all of my friends, the, the old Ringo Starr uh, uh, statement and song, you know, from Uncle George Clinton, who people go to for the funk, but we go to George Clinton for the future and his folkosophy, you know? Yeah. And then um, being able to do the title track with Cypress Hill and George Clinton is a pleasure but also being able to do, you know, the fight the power theme with Nas and Rhapsody and Questlove and Black Thought and Jahi, who's with Public Enemy, but also taking an, uh, uh, an, an YG, I should add, but taking it a notch, you know, to the originator, originator uh, of old school situation with Def Jam was uh, Run and DMC, Mike D and Ed Rock. Yeah. And um, that, that was a joy because it took, the very first song that made them interested and we all kind of posseed up and did it together. So that's my joy on the album. But overall, the album just makes a statement with one sentence. And even if a person doesn't hear the album, at least we get across the title, which asks the question that many would have to figure out on answering. So, uh, you know, I guess everyone's had to rethink how they've done stuff because, you know, certainly in the UK, you know, we, you're putting albums out that, you know, I guess that the usual thing is to go and tour it and to, you know, to do as much sort of, I guess, TV and radio and things like that. How have you had to kind of, you know, approach selling your record and, and pushing the record? You know, have you had to sort of rethink the, the sort of... Stuart, I just make them. I don't sell records. Yeah, okay. Matter of fact, I don't do art for somebody else's approval. Yeah. I think this is a good uh, a good settlement compromise with the other half of Public Enemy, Flavor Flav, who might have not, you know, felt like he wanted to go independent this way, and we kind of jarred over it. But 2020 was the right thing to do, I, I felt, and to make a, a settlement compromise with Flavor, what he wanted to do. I said, we'll go back to Def Jam, man. And, um, and he was happy with that initially. And, you know, but... To sell records is, to me, it's like I don't ask for anybody to buy our records. We just make our best presentation, and we appreciate people. Yeah. And we show our appreciation when we're live in front of somebody to give them a thousand percent. Yeah. Um, it's my honor and my duty, if you're asking me questions about my creation, to give you a thousand percent. Although it doesn't seem like I'm giving you a thousand percent attention while I'm distracted <laughs> doing these things, but I'm saying... <laughs> Is to be able to, to, you know, to appreciate the moment shared. And I think that instead of selling records to an audience, it's more like let's let's engage with one another, yeah. you know. And I think the engagement is, is, is telling people to, okay, whatever you can do, we got something out there, so get it. 
Yeah. Now we, you know, as opposed to go out there and buy it, but I'm everything else in order takes care of itself. So um, that's the mindset I've always been in anyway. And so it's well appreciated when somebody comes along and says, well, I had to go out and buy it. Well, I feel the same way when I go out there and, and make acquisitions of some things that I like too. It's like, I'd rather get it and possess it. And sometimes you got people that come along that, that like my, my 27 year old daughter, my middle aged daughter. And she's like, I've never really bought records. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Streaming is a thing where I, I got access. I'll click onto it. And I'm on to the next thing. So we got to watch what we say we're selling. You know, if anything, what we're doing, we're granting the engagement of, of, of creativity. Well, let's go back to the, the playlist, Chuck. And for, for track five, I'm going to ask you the song that soundtrack your years clubbing. Um, yeah, I think uh, clearly it's uh, Love is a Message by MFSB. Nice. Because actually that was like one of the first records in the club that MCs rhymed on. The DJs loved to run it back. And sometimes they could take it into, you know, a half an hour. And everything that Kenny Gamble, Leon Huff, and Tom Bell touched was the message and the music. And they were unapologetic and unafraid to put it out there like that. Even if it was an instrumental, sure. which stood for mother, father, sister, brother, not motherfucking son of a bitch. So, <laughs> so the thing about it, it's like that was the beauty of anything Philadelphia International touched in the 1970s. And uh, that was the prime beginning years of my clubbing days. And um, and let me tell you this much, Stu. Disco gets a bad rap. It gets a bad rap because in the beginning of it, you got like Earl Young, all the Philadelphia International players, you know, the orchestras, you know. They were like funky and true musicians and right. But after a while, disco got commodified and anybody thought that, you know, you could touch a drum machine and all of a sudden just have a disco record and anybody could just get on and make disco sound. So, yeah, the rock guys actually said disco sucked because at that point, once you get commodified, you kind of do suck, yeah. you know? So um, it wasn't like that in the beginning. And cats were rapping on Love's the Message in 1979 and 1980, 81. Uh, and the record came out in 74. So I tell you right there the strength on that. So in the early days, uh, like what if it, what, what did you want from clubbing? Well, number one, you wanted to dance with a with, with a fine girl. That's <laughs> what do you mean? No, what, what do you come on? I mean, there's people that wanted to go to clubs because because the cocaine was there. Yeah, but I'm not doing. I, I'm not even drink. I didn't drink. I didn't do no drugs or nothing like that. So the only reason I'm going to club is the place to be and fly girls to dance with. And especially since some of the dances went from complex like the hustle yeah. into the into the freak. And, you know, okay, this is a place to be. So uh, I, I remember dancing on the floor and everything that Nile Rogers put out was dope. Yeah. Everything. All the way from dance, 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 yowza, 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 down to good times, which started rappers rhyming over everything. Mm. I mean, rap and hip-hop in 1979 was even crazier than it is right now. Yeah. DJs would cut good times like crazy. MCs would rock over good times all damn day. So I'm here to tell you that that history is never forgotten. And something got to come out of somewhere. But 
Now Rogers, we want to talk about a club. If it wasn't Philadelphia International throughout the whole beginning of the seventies, now Rogers closed it out, man, with Sheik and everything else that he did. Chuck for track six. Yeah. Favorite song from an artist from your home county. Kyle Jason, man. Kyle Jason is a superstar. He's like, he's a superstar that that never ever has broken yet. But his music is is he's done eight albums and they're all incredible. And we look to hopefully do the greatest records of Kyle Jason. Uh, and he's he's it's an artist from Roosevelt. Grew up with Public Enemy, Eddie Murphy. He was a soul artist, R&B superstar artist, Prince-like writer, songwriter, never found the right niche. You know, he would come out, get signed by Virgin, and Virgin would collapse because they gave all the money to one person over there. Then, uh, you know, so we're going to be proud to put out, you know, records by Kyle Jason. And uh, People, People is a song that he, he did some years ago that I think is proficient and uh he's a guy that could go and tour in the uk for the next 30 years man oh. kyle jason okay that's interesting uh I've, mm-hmm. I've i've not heard of him chuck so i'll, I'll yeah, uh, i need to do some homework on on uh on that yeah. um kyle jason he's, he's incredible man he's an incredible soul machine chuck for the last track um i'm gonna mm-hmm. ask you um to tell someone uh, a song that they may not know that you would like them to hear yeah, once again, uh, Spit Slam Record Label Group is with my record label. We're very eclectic. We're fanatics for labels and how Jack Holtzman started with Elektra back in 1950 down to, of course, where how Motown was done with Barry Gordy and, and, and company down to, like, VJ Records and later on, you know, Stone's Throw and Rhyme Sayers and hip-hop and... um Def Jam, of course, and its beginnings that I'm a part of. So we looked at all those templates. So we released a um, record by a woman named Alicia Crow, who actually did all the cover songs to Alberta Hanna. And uh, Daddy O from Stetson Sonic, who's released six proficient solo albums in two years. No, in three years with, with us on the Old Dad Truth subsidiary. But this... These artists, you know, they talk about women in hip-hop. Women in hip-hop around the world are at least 33% of the hip-hop game. And when they talk about women in hip-hop, they always name the one, two, three, or four, whatever. This group called Crew Girl Order um, made a song when President Obama was elected, and they made a song called uh, First Lady. And they wasn't dedicating it so much to President Obama, but they was doing a song for the fir- for the first black first lady. Yeah, and um, they got it close to people listening to it, but at the same time, they wanted to stay away from it because the the they wanted to not receive the criticism that the black president and the first lady all of a sudden like rap music, where the right wing was going to throw all the other stuff in yeah. there. So, and they, and they were very, so it was like one of the best songs ever written. And uh, I really regret that um, Mrs. Obama never, A, it, it couldn't get to her, or, or B, they couldn't do anything. Even when Common got some mention by 
uh, I think the first lady, they came down on her and they examined really? all of them. Oh, yeah, they came down on com- like, this is comic, yeah. you know. So that's why what made them like say, okay, listen, we got to leave this alone to President Obama's last year. Yeah. And the group made this song, I think, 2008, 2009. So it's called First Lady. The videos are out there on uh, YouTube. Yeah, two different versions. And um, it speaks really a uh, homage to the first black first lady. Chuck, we, we'll put together a playlist of all the songs that you spoke about today so listeners can go and check out all the songs as well. Um, as we find ourselves hopefully coming out of the, the, the lockdown situation that we've been in for for four, five, six months now. Um, yeah. What are you looking forward to most, Chuck? In the next four years, we have one agenda to to clean up the the post-debris and waste that's left by the last four years of uh, catastrophe, you know? And that's an accountable and responsible government over concerned citizenship everywhere, and especially in the United States. A lot of cleanup to do. And I don't think this dude can clean up his own mess. It's like the dog, dog you go outside, it's a bunch of ish shit all in the house right now. And you can lay in it, or you could just say, all right, so we got to roll up our sleeves and clean up this dude's mess. Yeah. And messages to everybody is like don't don't just sit there like a beach you know what a beach is mm. a beach is something that just sits there erodes with time and waits for something to wash up on its shore <laughs> can't afford to be there gotta be proactive and some people are son of beaches so that's about that for me Chuck it's been real, real cool getting to sit and chat with you about records, man. Thank you so much. Um, really you, appreciate sir. your time. Uh, and, and, and best of luck with the record. And, uh, and stay safe. And, uh, and thanks again. Thank you. I appreciate it, Stuart. Thank you. Peace out there, everybody out there. Can't wait to get out there. Thanks, Chuck. All right. Peace. Well, there you go. You know, who, who, I, I, I'm still stunned. I'm still stunned. We carried on chatting for a bit. Um, after we press stop, uh, and I wish I hadn't pressed stop because uh, as we finished, Chuck D went, Stu, peace out, and I just thought, oh, <laughs> what a soundbite. Um, yeah, uh, I'm still absolutely buzzing. I'm recording this intro the day after. Um, I recorded it at, at about 9.30 on, um, on a Friday evening, and uh, I'm just recording this on a Saturday morning, still just uh, on cloud nine that... Uh, that I got to sit and you know get a bit of time with Chuck D and uh, and I hope you enjoyed it um, you know even a fraction as much as 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 I enjoyed getting to sit and and chat to a legend um, thanks ever so much for supporting off the beaten track as I mentioned at the beginning please have a look in the back catalogue um, there's so many episodes there with some amazing people uh, for you to get stuck into and and there's also the the Patreon page as well um, there's merch and oh you can find out about everything. Uh, off the beat and track podcast.com. I'm back next time. Stay safe, people. See you later. Bye bye. I've got an announcement. Save our souls clothing. www.sosclothing.co.uk. Why am I telling you this? Because they're our official sponsor. Yeah, that's right. Go and check them out because their clothing is off the scale. You're going to love it. 
So they've decided they want to be our sponsor, which is amazing. And what I have to do is I have to tell you about why they're amazing. So here's a little bit of blurb. So they've only been going a year. And they're based in South End on Sea, just up the road from me. They put the company together based on a, a love of tattoos and alternative music. And they've worked with some of the greatest artists around the world to produce these items of clothing that are as unique as you lot. All of the designs are printed using biodegradable, sustainable and water-based inks. And in addition to that, they only print on garments made by members of Fairwear Foundation. I mean, come on, great clothing and a conscience. Since going live in April last year, they've seen their audience grow massively and are now selling orders all across the world. And they were recognised by Cosmopolitan magazine as one of the best sustainable clothing brands alongside names such as Stella McCartney. I mean, that's quite a first year, right? So, go and check them out because they've put a lot of love into supporting this podcast and I couldn't be happier. What else they've done is they've given you 15% off. So if you head over to www.sosclothing.co.uk, do a bit of shopping, see what you like, throw it in the basket, and then on the way out, put in the discount code BEAT15, B-E-A-T-1-5, and that'll save you 15% off. Amazing, right? www.sosclothing.co.uk official sponsors of Off The Beaten Track Podcast. It's Off The Beaten Track Podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. With me, Stu Whipping. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Are you ready for truly hydrated skin? Meet Hyaluronic Body Serum, a breakthrough in body care from Osea. It's clinically proven to instantly increase hydration by 161%. Their lightweight, fast-absorbing serum delivers 24 hours of non-stop hydration for silky, smooth skin without the sticky afterfeel. 
Osea's latest innovation combines the magic of their best-selling Hyaluronic Sea Serum with a new formula that's good for the whole body and five types of hyaluronic acid to target every layer of the skin. Osea is a women-founded, women-led brand that's been crafting seaweed-powered products for nearly 30 years. The best part? Everything Osea makes is clean, vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Treat your skin to clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code SUMMER at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A-Malibu.com code SUMMER.